Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful, wonderful to be with you today, celebrating everything that Jesus has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Don't we have an amazing future in the Lord together? It's, uh, it's an amazing thing to, to know the end of the story. While the world is shaking and, and all sorts of things are popping up on our radar, telling us to be afraid of this or that, or trying to get us to inherit the anxiety that they carry, we don't have to at all, because we know that we're on the winning team. <laughs> That Jesus is going to sum all of this up so beautifully. We know the end of the story, and it's just, it's just fantastic. It's one of the things that I, I love to celebrate. And, um, you know, we're, we're a, a non-denom, you know, a non-denominational kind of expression, which means that some of the, some of the traditions of the other, you know, denominations, um, we, don't, we don't see that often. So, like, you rarely hear the word sacrament, at upper room, right? But it's, it's such an important word, and I want to talk about what the sacrament of communion is today, what it means, some of its implications. Uh, the word sacrament doesn't come from what you think like the word sacred, although it is, you know, part of that. It actually comes from the word mysterion. Mysteri- can you guys say mysterion? which is where we get the word like, like mystery or mysterious. The New Testament and the Septuagint speak this word mysterion many times. And, and St. Jerome, uh, when he was translating the Hebrew and Greek manuscripts into what would be the Latin Vulgate, he used the word sacramentum to, uh, to define mysterion when it applies to the sacraments. Uh, this means that sacraments, things like... Um, Things like communion, things like baptism, things like marriage, things like anointing the sick or or confession, these things are actually mysterious. And when we do them, what we're saying is we're we're doing something physically to proclaim and or step into an unseen reality, a transcendent reality. It's, It's mysterious, but this is a tangible way for us to tap into or, or access like the, the, the power and presence surrounding those kinds of activities. Are y'all with me so far? And so, the, I mean, it's mysterious beyond mystery to think that if we drink wine, we're drinking Jesus's blood. And if we eat the bread with thanksgiving in our heart, that we're eating his body. And all of the things that that means, it's just, it's mind-blowing, and I'm not going to be able to even cover half of it today, and I believe that for all of eternity, we're going to be unpacking this mystery together. Another word for communion is the Lord's Supper. So we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, it was actually Passover, and it was the Lord's Supper. And, and so this account is in all of, the, all of the Gospels, but I want to read it from Luke 22. So turn with me to Luke 22. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're our rabbi. Teach us things from your scriptures today. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Isn't it just like Jesus to take things like carbs and wine and make them holy? so grateful that he is such a, you know, this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke, down-to-earth, you know, kind of guy, because you came from heaven to earth. So, (laughs) but he took something that we do every single day, and even in that day and age, things like bread and wine were, like, so accessible. They were at, like, every meal. And so I, I believe that one of the things that Jesus was doing in this moment was telegraphing that the, the way that bread and wine are such a, an accessible and important part of your daily life, I am this accessible. Another word for uh, communion is the Eucharist, and it's the Greek word for um, thanksgiving. It's, it's a common term for, the, for communion in the early church, and it's associated with communion today. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, um, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a a participation in the blood of Christ? And I can think, like, if, if, if communion literally means thanksgiving, I can think of nothing more that, nothing that I'm more thankful for than Jesus dying for me, dying as me, and conquering death for us. And that's what the Passover meant. So when, when Jesus is saying at the Passover dinner, he's saying, this is my flesh and this is my blood, eat this and drink this, the, the disciples would know that he's actually telegraphing something in this moment. He's saying, I'm going to be your Passover lamb. And death is not going to touch you. And so they get to celebrate with the rest of uh, the Jews of the day, the Passover, but they get to celebrate it in a completely different new way. They're, they're, They're beginning to understand that they're going to be protected from death forever by what Jesus is going to do. Directly after this, they started arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Could you imagine that scene? Jesus is dropping on them one of the most important revelations and saying, like, I'm going to suffer for you. And then, like, as soon as, like, they get, you know, 30 seconds removed from Jesus' direct presence, they're like, you know what? I know that you guys think you're pretty holy, but I'm the holiest of all. Like, I'm more devoted to to Jesus than any of y'all. I actually believe that when we're enamored by our devotion to Jesus instead of his devotion to us, then we are pulling a Peter and we're going to be in need of a humbling and merciful restoration, just like what happened with Peter. 
Peter in that moment was proclaiming his devotion to Jesus when Jesus is saying, no, it's all about my devotion to you, Peter. I like the word communion. I mean, Eucharist is cool and the Lord's Supper is awesome. Uh, but I like communion in the English because it's a, like a, it's a combination of two words. It's our common union. And what commonly unites us is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So when we take communion, we are actually proclaiming to one another and to the spirit realm that we are one in Christ and belong to him and covered by his blood. So why do we do it other than Jesus told us to? We know that... <laughs> We know that the, the apostles carried on this tradition. Uh, it, in Acts 2.42, it says that they were continually together, devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And so the Lord's Supper was a normal part of their, their day-to-day or their weekly. It was a cyclical thing that they did when they gathered together. Um, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we're made of flesh and blood. And so when we take the, the bread and the wine together, it's a physical thing proclaiming a spiritual reality. And many people have actually been healed of physical problems through the taking, the receiving of communion. Isn't that awesome? Another reason why we take communion is because I want to see Jesus manifested in a fuller way. And us coming together is actually manifesting Christ in a new way. Us taking the body and blood of Jesus together as a church. Like, I get to see Jesus in, in the face of Jake Robert. And there's no other place in the world, in, in all of creation, where Jesus manifests like he does through Jake. I actually selfishly want us to be... Uh, together in unity. It's, I know I say it's selfish, but I'm going to get to that in a, in, in a moment. I selfishly want to see you be 100% you in your place in the body of Christ, because then I actually get to see Jesus shining through you unlike anywhere else in the world. Amen. We can't do it alone, guys. And not only that, we, I don't believe that we can fully accomplish our purpose until we find our people I think a trick, the, the sneaky trick of searching out your purpose is that it leads you to your people, and then you find that your purpose is within your people. Um, I know a lot of us have, have like church wounds and teachings on like coming together and communion and, and, and you know, doubling down and anteing up and getting in small groups. All that stuff can actually sound a little bit controlling. Uh, because we've been wounded by controlling people in the past, right? Anyone other than me? So, you know, what happened when Jesus, like, started talking about how people needed to eat him, he actually said it a lot. Like, Jesus told everyone, you got to eat me and you got to drink my blood. And a lot of times he just didn't even explain it. But what happened the first time is it was in John chapter 6. There are seven times where, where he actually calls himself the bread that you have to eat. And he would say things like, your forefathers ate the bread that came down from heaven, that manna, and they died. But he who eats of this bread will live forever. And I mean, he just doubles down as about 10,000 people are getting more and more confused and offended. <laughs> he gets to the point where he says, my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. And this was a teaching that was actually meant to unify 
all of these people into the body of Christ. And what happened instead? They heard a completely different message and they scattered. They're like, I'm out of here. And beloved, unfortunately, the same thing happens today when pastors say, you, you have to find your place in the body. People are like, oh no, that's the reminiscent of the shepherding movement or whatever. Like, I'm out of here. Like, when, when pastors are saying like, don't give up on one another. Be inconvenienced by your love for one another. People hear a different message and they bounce. When we say things like, I love, the, I, I love God but hate the church, it's the same thing as telling your wife, I love your face but hate your body. He is the head of his body, which is the church. I don't believe that we are going to rightly walk or see the Lord unless we are rightly connected to the body. You know, when, um, when Jesus gave that, that message in, in John 6, he lost thousands and thousands of followers, and then he turned to his, you know, his A-team, the disciples, and they're looking around thinking, maybe get, the getting's good right now. Like, maybe, maybe now's the time that I duck out, right? And Jesus turns to him and kind of says, you, you guys want to leave me too? And Peter says something in this moment that I believe is actually a key for us enduring through any kind of offense. And he, Peter says, to whom shall we go? Peter in that moment isn't just saying like, where am I going to go? Or like, he's not saying that my home is a physical location. He's saying, to whom shall I go? Because anywhere you go, you're my home now. I'm not going to find another you. And a key for us enduring any kind of offense is that we are so connected to one another. We know that we, we can't find another Jeff. We can't find another Casey. We can't find another Ken in Gen Genesis. Like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere because I love you more than this offense. And then he says, only you have the words of eternal life. And so G Peter in this moment is proclaiming, there's no place else like you. Like, there's, there's no replacing you. And the words that I hear from you connect me with heaven. I want to take a, I want to receive communion with you guys now, and we don't need the, the band to come up or anything like this. Um, I just want us to, as we do it, realize that the, the simple act of doing this together is, is sacred and powerful, and it's so important to our, our walk with the Lord. Um, does everybody have one? Thank you. Wow. Guys, watch out. The body falls right out the bottom. <laughs> New ones. <laughs> These cups are prophesying to me right now, guys.
you know, I, I don't mind that this isn't pretty, like that we didn't have communion cups like taped to the bottom of your chair. I don't mind at all. Like it's a, it's a big deal and I don't mind it being disruptive that we're, we're holding to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. It's really, really important. You know, when Jesus uh, was first breaking the bread and, and, and blessing the wine, he's, he's looking around at a table of people who are at all sorts of varying levels in their maturity and their devotion. He's got, he's got a thief there who's going to betray him. He's got Peter who's going to disown him. He's got John who's... <laughs> John doesn't know anything. He's just going to keep laying on Jesus. <laughs> when I look around this room, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're at. In your journey in life, there's room at the Lord's table for you. Even if you're thinking like, all of this is, is hogwash, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue this walk with Jesus tomorrow. He wants to feed you in this moment with himself. This is from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. This is Paul's recounting of the, the Last Supper. The Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I, I want you guys to actually um, break the bread with me. And if, if you would, just... Think about the the way that he the way that he was killed was not quick and painless. That there just the way the way that you just broke that that bread, the flesh was ripped off of his back. Before he got to the cross, pieces of him were laying everywhere. And we are members of the body of Christ. So when he says, remember me, and we take the body, we are putting him back together. We're remembering him as one in this room. So go ahead and take his body. Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take his blood together. Jesus, we thank you. that there is still a sinner's prayer ringing in the atmosphere over creation, and it sounds like this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You prayed a sinner's prayer greater than any we could ever pray for ourselves, but we agree, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you ransomed us out of the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. We thank you for the new covenant in your blood. We thank you that... Out of, out of everyone in all of history, we have the opportunity to know you better than anyone else. 
And there's nothing more delightful than to know you. We thank you for your body, which was broken for us. Thank you that you, uh, that you despised the shame, but for the joy set before you, you endured it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room that has anything wrong in their bodies, that as, they, as this bread and this wine hits their stomach, that it would have an effectual uh, effect of healing on them, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that all dysfunction, malfunction, injury would go in Jesus' name. Amen.